0: Matthew chapter 13. We're going to start a new series tonight, the parables of Jesus. And it's going to be an interesting study as we go through these Sunday nights and talking about what Jesus was... uh, trying to get across in these parables, but tonight is really an introductory message to it. Why did Jesus use parables is the title of the message, or why parables? And so we're going to talk about that a little bit. Charmaine, where'd you go, Charmaine? There she is. Charmaine Washington is here tonight. And Charmaine is a wonderful young lady. Did you graduate already, or are you about to graduate? She graduated from Golden State. She's going to be a missionary going to Mexico. Is that correct? Is that what I saw in there? And she's going to be going to helping missionaries there. And, and so we're excited for her. And, and she's got a heart for the Lord and a heart for young people. And so we're going to be talking to her, try to help her go if we can as a church, and we'll get to get a chance to meet with her. And it's so what a blessing. KJ, where are you at? KJ, there he is. KJ got engaged on Monday. So congratulations. Wanted to give him a hand. And what a blessing. Beautiful beach setting there, got engaged, and so we're excited for you. And Ashley, And they're now engaged, and so looking forward to seeing them married here in a few months. Of course, J.B. and Emma's son there, if you don't know him. And he was up at the church helping this week, and I appreciate that. All right, let's get into the message tonight. Matthew chapter 13, look at verse 10. If you're there with me, we'll follow along as I read. The Bible says in Matthew thirteen ten, And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in what? Parables. And he answered and said unto them, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. Therefore, I speak, uh, therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand. And seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive, for this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes are, uh, and their eyes have they closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your eyes, for they hear. For verily I say unto you, that many prophets. And righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see and have uh, which ye see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. Father, I pray that you bless the message tonight. Help us, Lord, as we study why you spoke in parables. Give us understanding with the parables, and may they help us in our Christian life. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We see in the New Testament Jesus spends the majority of his time, recruiting and training 12 men. These 12 men are first called what? Disciples, his 12 disciples, the original followers of Christ that eventually, after Christ ascends up to heaven, with the exception of Judas, of course, would go on to turn the world upside down for God. All of these men that Jesus recruited, take note, are Jewish men. Jesus spent much of his time teaching and training, preaching to these men, and also to Jewish people. These men and the, other, the others that Christ preached to were not used to the methods that Jesus used to teach them. I think about our Christian school. Our Christian school is an ACE school. It's a little bit different than a traditional school. In a traditional school, you go to school, you have a teacher stand up, they teach the class. And in our school system, they each student has their individual desks and we have tutors they are called monitors that go around, help the students. It's a different style of teaching. It's not the same as traditional uh, 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 teaching. And so when Jesus comes along, He begins to teach His disciples. He begins to teach the Jewish people and those around Him in a way that that they were not used to. What were they used to? They were used to going to a place there locally. It was called the what? The synagogue, the Jewish synagogue. And this was a place where Jews would go. Uh, typically, they would go to the first, the first century synagogue would be a place that was, wasn't like what we would think of today is like a church. It was more of a communal institution or a community center. And so they would go to these places. Oftentimes, they would go to Jerusalem to worship, uh, but they would go to a local synagogue. And many times, this synagogue would be set up for different purposes, such as uh, uh, providing a school or uh, to have meal, meals for the community. Oftentimes, Acts twenty-two nineteen, you see that synagogues were used as courts. Or place to collect and distribute charity. They were also used for political uh, engagements. And and in Matthew chapter number six, verse two, you see they, uh, that charity is passed out. They would use them for political engagements, like uh, you would go there to uh, hear the local officials and and uh, talking about their campaigns. And actually, this kind of sounds like the modern American church, doesn't it? That was the modern day synagogue. In other words, the Jewish people were used to going to this place, and they would hear. Long, dry dirges from the Pharisees and the Sadducees, long interpretations of the law were extrapolated by the intellectual elite of the day. They would talk about the Torah and the law and they would go on and on. And you could read about what the Pharisees, how they would make long prayers and they would do these things. And truth at this time for the Jew, especially was a precious commodity It was owned by the prominent and wealthy, the common fisherman, the farmer. If they wanted to learn truth, they would have to go to the scribe who dedicated his life understanding and interpreting the Torah. It was never God's intention for the common man not to understand his word. I'm thankful for William Tyndale who at one point in time in our history decided that it wasn't just for the rich. It wasn't just for those who understand Latin to get up and talk about the Bible. And so he began to translate the Bible into the common language, the English language, which if you read history, you find out he was burned at the stake for. Why do you think the Catholic Church didn't want William Tyndale to translate the Bible? Why do you think that they burned him at the stake? Because they didn't want the common people to find out that what they were teaching was heresy. Right. Why do you think the Pharisees and Sadducees didn't want the people being taught? Same reason. Amen? And so these people, the disciples, as they heard Jesus teaching, they were not used to the way that he was teaching them. They were, it was a very unique thing. As this, 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 And we see him, Jesus, 12 years old in the temple, teaching, and they were astonished by him. Take your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter number 7. Matthew chapter, just a few chapters back, Matthew chapter number seven. Jesus comes along and he gathers people around him. And instead of long diatribes of the law, he speaks to them in a very common and in a very unique way. Matthew chapter number five through Matthew chapter number seven is known as the sermon on the the sermon. Great, great. Amazing. Uh, I tell you, it was uh, just really an amazing passage of scripture. You ought to read it, Matthew chapter five through seven. If You've never read it. Matthew chapter number seven, if you skip down to verse 28 and 29, Jesus is getting at the, towards the end of his sermon on the mount. And so Matthew chapter number seven, look at verse 28. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were what? They were astonished at his doctrine. How can people who've been going to the synagogue, listening to the Pharisees and Sadducees, be astonished at doctrine, because they weren't being taught doctrine. And may I just say, uh, it's important that a church believes and teaches doctrine. There are places you can go. They never talk about doctrine. They don't want to offend people, because doctrine is offensive. This, uh, the, the, uh, recently, <laughs> I got up and preached a message on eternal security. I, there's a family, I don't know, they'll be back. All I'm saying is, it, doctrine offends And when you preach doctrine, sometimes people say, I don't believe in that. It's not what I was taught. And so uh, we don't do that on purpose. It's not like we're trying to out to offend people. But may I just say, if you don't believe something, you'll believe anything. Amen. So, So Jesus was teaching these people and they were astonished. He uses practical, simple stories to illustrate deep truths about God about salvation, about redemption, about doctrine, about Himself, His own deity. So for the next several, several Sunday nights, we're going to read and study the parables of Jesus together, and I'm looking forward to these different parables. Say, what is a parable? What, is it, what does it mean? What is a parable? Uh, what, is, what does it mean when Christ uses parables? Think about parables this way. Parables are sermon illustrations from the mind of God. Parables are sermon illustrations... From the mind of God. It's a story put together by the mind of our creator for our benefit to help us to understand, to help those that were following Christ in that day to understand. Have you ever thought about it this way? Why did Jesus choose to speak in parables versus just telling it like it is? Why didn't he just come right out and say it, you know, in a a way? Why did he use stories? Why did he use these divine parables? And the disciples asked the same question. In our chapter here, Matthew, uh, we look at verse number 10. Look at what it says. Uh, we're in Matthew chapter number 13. Look at verse 10. And the disciples came and said unto him, why speakest thou in parables? Why did they ask Jesus this question? Because they weren't used to this. And so they're, what's going on? Why are you doing this? Why are you teaching this? And so the disciples wondered why Jesus used this method of teaching. Take your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter, or excuse me, Mark chapter number four. As a matter of fact... Uh, Jesus used parables quite often in his teaching. If you look at Mark chapter number four, look at what the Bible says in verse 33 of Mark chapter four. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, what are the four? What are Matthew, Mark, Luke, John call? What are they? The four what? The four what? The four gospels. So Matthew, same with me? Matthew, Mark, John. Four gospels of the, of the these are all accounts that People wrote about the life of Jesus Christ. So Mark chapter number four, look at verse 33. And with many such parables spake he the word unto them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable spake he not unto them And when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. So Jesus, what he would do is when he was in the crowds and the multitudes, he would use parables to try to help people understand what was going on. And then when he was with his disciples, he would expound on that. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? Uh, Why did he choose to do that? There are many, many parables. Matthew, there is as many as, and people kind of go back and forth on what are parables and what's not. I don't believe that the rich man and Lazarus was a parable. If you believe that, that's up to you. But I don't believe it is because Jesus used Lazarus' name. Uh, but you can believe whatever you want there. But there's as many as 22 parables in Matthew. and Mark, there's about 10. In Luke, there's about 10. Did you know that there are no parables in the book of John? Here are some of the parables. The parable of the sower, the parable of the weeds, the parable of the mustard seed, the parable of yeast, the hidden treasure, the pearl, the fishing net, the unmerciful, the unmerciful, unmerciful, amen. That means you can't submerge, that's unsubmersible. amen. The unmerciful servant, the workers in the vineyard, the two sons, the tenants, the wedding banquet, the faithful servants, the ten virgins, the talents, the growing seed, the owner of the house, the old and new coats, uh, the new wine and the old wineskins. The wise and foolish builders, the debts, the forgivable debts. We have the parable of many uh, know this one, and it's a, it's a very popular one and a very powerful one. The good what? The good Samaritan. Uh, there's the friend that comes by at midnight, the rich fool, the, unfruit, uh, the unfruitful fig tree. There's the Pharisee's house, the great banquet, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, the shrewd manager, the persistent widow. I love that parable. Uh, the Pharisee and the tax collector, the good shepherd. Many, many parables Jesus used to help us understand why. The question is, why? Look at what Jesus says in verse 11. Go back to Matthew chapter 13. Notice his answer. 11 through 13. Let's read it again. And then maybe uh, we could help I just have three quick reasons tonight. Maybe help us understand why Jesus used these. Verse 11 says this, and he answered and said to them, "Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given." You see in verse 12, For whosoever hath, to him it shall be given. And he shall have more abundance, but whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing, what? See not, and hearing they, what? Hear not, neither do they understand. These Jewish people, they had the Bible. They had the Torah, rather. They didn't have the New Testament. They had the Old Testament. They saw, but they saw not. They heard, but they heard not. And so the first reason tonight, I believe that Jesus spoke in parables, number one here, is because parables are relatable. They're relatable. That's number one if you're taking notes. Remember, Jesus wasn't speaking to lawyers, just to lawyers, just to scribes, just to Pharisees, although he did. He was speaking to the common man, the fishermen. Can I get a witness for fishermen? Amen. I'm not a fisherman because I fish, but I don't catch anything. Amen? My wife does, but I don't. Uh, The common man, the the blacksmith, the farmer. These are just regular folk like you and me. And uh, Jesus chose the foolishness. God chose the foolishness of preaching. Thank God for that. Amen? And so because the parables were relatable, Jesus was able to connect with more people than just those who understood the law. The Jews in that day were taught from the Torah. They were taught from the Old Testament. So they would have a grasp of who Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were. They would know who Moses was. They would understand who David and Jonah, they would understand these stories. But what they could not understand was the eternal purposes of God. What they could not understand was God's eternal plan for redemption and salvation. They saw, in part, they saw through a glass darkly. How could they understand God's redeeming love? Take your Bibles and go to Colossians chapter number one. Colossians chapter number one. Oh, I love hearing the Bible as it turns. Colossians chapter number one. Is there an app where you can have that when you scroll it? Sounds like the Bible. Can we do that? Like, yes, pastor, but then my phone would ring in church. (laughs) Look at what Colossians chapter number one, verse 26 says even the mystery which had been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to the saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is what? Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, these disciples whom Christ called would eventually understand the gospel, but they did not understand it yet. They still thought that Christ was there to do what? To overthrow the throne. And that's the theme throughout the New Testament. If you watch, they thought the whole time this was the second coming. But it wasn't. Christ was there to redeem us, to die on the cross. God's eternal plan for salvation is at work. And so Christ came because this was a great mystery to the Jew. They did not quite understand or grasp God's eternal plan, and so God, Jesus came and needed to help illustrate the gospel to the common man to help them understand that a generations past could not quite catch what God was trying to do. Some men understood, and some men were waiting for the Messiah to come. We see that in Scripture. Simeon and others understood these things, but Jesus came to teach the common man. Take your Bibles and go to Luke chapter number fifteen. Let's look at, let's look at one. One of these uh, parables real quick and just look at it and will help us understand this illustrating the point I'm trying to make here. Luke chapter number 15, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, chapter number 15. And Luke writes in verse one here, he says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Notice the crowd that Jesus was after. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep? If he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. And we have found it. He layeth on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he called together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me. I have found my sheep which was lost. Now look at verse 7. And I say unto you, now remember, Jesus is talking to who? the publicans and the sinners. And he says, I say unto you that likewise, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over 90 and nine just persons which need no repentance. In in these seven verses, Jesus explains in a way that every single culture across time, across this earth, every single human being can understand how much God loves us how much, how much our soul is worth to him, that God cares about us so much that he rejoices over one single. Heaven rejoices over one single sinner that repents. In seven verses, Jesus taught these people that. There's a head knowledge of the gospel, and then there's a heart understanding of the gospel. The parables help us drive deeper into our hearts and examine if we truly understand the gospel. I see here in this parable here, that Jesus is not just preaching to the public and sinners, but he's also preaching to the Pharisees. What is he telling them? He's interested in the sinner getting saved, not the person who thinks they have it all together. How many religions today teach that you can be righteous and go to heaven? And what Jesus was trying to teach through a simple parable is, hey, one sinner that repents, rather than 99 that need no repentance. And so we see here that the parables were what? Relatable. 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 I see secondly today that why did Jesus use parables? First, they were relatable. Secondly, they are revealing. They are revealing. Let's go back to Matthew chapter number 13, where we were, where we started. Matthew chapter 13, look at verse 14 with me. Matthew chapter 13, verse 14. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith by hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand and seeing ye shall see and not perceive. For these people's heart are waxed, gross." And their ears are are dull of hearing, so basically they're like teenagers. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, just kidding. Teenagers, you know I love you. I'm just teasing. And their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand. The world is full of people who see and don't see. How many religions today or this week sat and say they believe in the Bible, but they don't believe in the Bible? The words are right in front of them, but they don't. See it. There are people that come to church sometimes and they hear the gospel and they hear the gospel over and over and over and over and over and and they hear the gospel time and time again, but they don't hear it. And what the gospels, what the parables do is they help reveal the gospel to us and in us. The Bible says that these people, they they see, but they don't see. They hear, but they don't hear. Their heart is wax gross. That means they're callous and uncaring. Their heart is it's like your hands. When you work over and over again, they get callous and you can't feel uh, things. And that's how their heart was. Their hearts were callous. They could not feel. They did not care. And their ears were dull of hearing. They couldn't hear. And think about other religions in the world today. They have the truth of God's word. It's, it's around, but yet they don't see it. They don't hear it. Yet they And they willingly ignore it. The men that chose to follow Christ, they chose, listen to this, they chose to follow him. Christ chose them and they chose to follow, did they not? And they chose to listen to Christ. They chose to hear what he had to say. They chose to listen to him and they asked questions and they wanted to hear what God has to say. They wanted him to explain to them what the parables mean. They wanted to understand. They had a heart to seek after God. It's amazing how some people, they want to know the truth. They want to know what the truth is. I just, tell me what the truth, I just want to hear the truth. And there are those that want to hear the truth and then there are those that turn their eye or their ear away from the truth. The parables help reveal that. As Jesus spoke in parables to his disciples, it forced them to recognize who Jesus really was. He, was. he was the Christ, the Messiah. The parables enabled them to accept salvation by grace through faith, not by works, not by doing something. The parables today reveal those who are genuinely seeking salvation and those who are, have a pretend salvation. And by the way, there are many of those. And all God's people said, Amen. We don't rejoice in that. But there are many that have a pretend salvation. They pretend like <clears throat> they want to know the truth, but they don't want to know the truth of God's word. So parables, they relate. We can understand them. Uh, we understand what the 99 is and how we would go after that one. And we, they also reveal that we're genuinely seeking the truth and understanding the gospel. And then lastly, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but parables are repeatable. Go to Matthew chapter number 28. Parables are repeatable. Matthew chapter 28. Look at verse 19 and 20. You know these verses. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. After Jesus resurrects from the dead... This is what he says to his disciples. I want you to go, and I want you to repeat what I have taught you. I want you to repeat what I have taught you. Now, these disciples may have had a limited vision of that. Oh, you mean like in Jerusalem? No, not just Jerusalem. Yes, Jerusalem, but in where? Judea, and in Samaria, and in the uttermost part of the earth. You see, the disciples didn't necessarily understand this, but Jesus had a global vision for the gospel. And you understand that the parables are repeatable in any language? The parables are understandable in any culture? What culture doesn't understand the 99 and the 1? What culture doesn't understand the widow? I need help. I need help. What culture doesn't understand? And so it's repeatable. During these three years that Jesus walked on earth, he did so much. The Bible says that if it was recorded everything he did, there wouldn't be enough books to contain it. Now I want you to think about something, and and maybe you've never thought about this before, but nearly the entire time that Jesus was on earth for three years, he was a target. He was a target. You understand that the world only let Christ live for three years? Once they figured out who he was, they did their best to kill him as quickly as possible. And it would happen again if he came today. He was a target. Go to Luke chapter number 11 in your Bibles. I'll I'll show you where we could see this. It's actually told us in the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Look at Luke chapter number 11. I cleaned out my Bible before tonight. I took all the papers out so I could... (laughs) Look at Luke chapter number 11. Look at verse 53. And uh, it says here in Luke chapter 11, verse 53, And as he said these things unto them, the scribes and and the Pharisees began to urge him vehemently and to provoke him to speak many things laying wait for him and seeking to catch something out of his mouth that they might accuse him everything that came out of the mouth of jesus they were trying to find a way to put him on the cross they were trying to find something something to put that to put our savior on the cross he was targeted by satan he was targeted by his demons he was targeted by the jealous, wicked Pharisees and Sadducees. He was targeted by those who were affected financially because he brought about life change. He was targeted by the government. He was targeted. And after only three short years, the world had enough of Christ and they crucified him for his words. Think about that. They crucified him for his words. But somehow, some way, Jesus Christ said everything he needed to say about the gospel in three and a half years. Somehow, in all of his sovereignty and in his deity, everything that we need to know about life, everything that we need to know about the gospel, everything that we need to know about obeying God, everything we need to know about the end times, about his deity, about who Christ is, he said in three and a half years using parables. Think about this. Jesus didn't use parables just because they were relatable and revealing, but I believe he used parables to stay out of trouble just long enough to say what he needed to say because they couldn't pin him down. He would use a parable, a hypothetical situation, and it kept him out of trouble. Isn't that amazing? Essentially, parables were a code that would keep Christ from being killed for three years, but these same parables After his death, could be used by you and I to preach the gospel. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. Christ used parables so that we could repeat the gospel around the world. In his divine wisdom and understanding, Christ knew that we would use the parable of the sower one day, we would use the parable of the Good Samaritan. We would use the parable of the lost sheep to preach the gospel to every creature. Thousands of years after his death, we would still be using these parables. So why did Jesus use parables? Well, they're number one, they're what? They are relatable. So number one, they're what? They're relatable. They help us understand in any culture, in any language. Number two, they are revealing they show us They show us the deeper a part of the gospel as we seek the gospel and make sure that our heart is right with God. They're revealing. And lastly, they are what? They're repeatable. They're repeatable. The parables can be repeated in any language, in any culture, and the power of gospel can, can be understood by anybody who hears it. So how many are excited about studying the parables over the next few weeks? I know I am. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we love you.